Hey everybody, welcome to My Marvelous Year 2004 Part 1. I completely forgot that we were recording this morning, and uh, it was Father's Day, and we had things going on, and I totally, I, you know, I told Charlotte and Zach that I couldn't make it, but basically just like the second we were supposed to be recording, and I feel badly about it. I do. I was ready to kick off 2004, so I wanted to supply an introduction to the year and what My Marvelous Year will be doing. Um, but also I think you'll, you'll get the tenor of what I'm doing here. So, uh, enjoy the episode, but, uh, in the meantime, this is for me. Sorry. Sorry. It's like a miss the shine. It's like a drop of ball. I'm sorry It's like I'm on stage And I forgot the words Damn, I'm sorry Girl, I've apologized A million times before I'll apologize A million more So here it comes again For all the wrong I've done Girl, get ready then Girl, this is my sorry For 2004 I ain't gonna mess up no more this year I'ma take this one chance and make it real clear I'm sorry, I'm sorry Sorry for July In case I don't tell you August, September, October, November Till your December I'm sorry, 2004 You wanna do the intro? Uh, yeah, sure Oh yeah! Oh, I've never oh I've never done the intro. That's weird. I okay. know. Yeah, the year is two thousand and four. I'm Charlotte. I'm Zach. And this is my marvelous year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book podcast where we go through all of the Marvel Universe from its origins to today. I'm Charlotte, your comic book rainbow belt, and today I'm joined by someone who has taken over not only one, but two city blocks of his neighborhood as the new kingpin of crime. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? <laughs> Good. Seed blocks? City blocks. City blocks. I was like, <laughs> seed blocks. Hmm. Some kind of gardening. Exactly, it's like a yeah. gardening rivalry happening. The new in my seed peen of crime, yeah. <laughs> Taking over two city blocks of like kind of a suburban San Diego yeah. neighborhood is <laughs> a really funny idea. <laughs> like, I mean, that's basically just... what Matt does in the comic because Hell's Kitchen is like really small. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it was quite, I know we've talked about this before, uh, quite as gentrified as it is now, but Hell's Kitchen is kind of a trendy yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we took a little bit of a honeymoon, pre honeymoon trip to uh, new york and we stayed in hell's kitchen in like 2015 i think and it was it was very nice uh yeah <laughs> and it was kind of snooty so Didn't like the idea like any yakuza or something you know nothing right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> disappointing yeah i uh i love being kingpin and uh it, listen people hear kingpin and they go kingpin of crime and like no i'm kingpin of manners okay i'm here <laughs> to uh, enforce polite manners with everybody and show everybody I've got the best manners in the neighborhood. You're the kingpin of... And I'm going to do that, beat you up until you realize... What could you be the kingpin of... Could be the kingpin of, of mime? The kingpin of slime? The kingpin of rhyme? <laughs> Ooh, that's right. That's the kingpin of rhyme. That's cool. Mm. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> real me this, real me that. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> yes. The character in Love and Rockets that we're reading right now for extra issues. Yeah. There's, there's a chunk in the comic where she just... So there's no reason for it, and it never gets explained, but she just starts rhyming everything, and she just starts rhyming everyone's names yeah. and, like, little everything, and it's decidedly uncool. They <laughs> <laughs> just start rhyming a lot. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you're doing. That's why That's why you've taken, a, <laughs> taken over two city blocks. This is My Marvelous Year. It's a comic book reading club podcast. We're covering 
some more Daredevil by uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Maliv. And uh, we're picking up not exactly where we left off because I think there's a six-issue chunk that we skipped over that is a David Mack arc, um, Echo arc, that I read. So we can talk about that, actually. Oh, yeah. And then we are jumping. We read the first arc of Runaways. We skipped, like, the middle chunk. And we're jumping in at the end here for 13 through 18 to conclude the big first big Brian K. Vaughn and... Adrian Alfona, uh, Runaways arc. I'm not actually positive if Brian K. Vaughan continues on this series, if, like, the next volume Ooh, is here. that's a good question. I don't think... Yeah, because... Let me check. Like, volume one finishes him. here, but I don't know if volume two continues with him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But before we do, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. We can get access to our Slack channel for five bucks. Nice place to hang out. Lots of friendly people in there. Um, access to our Patreon master spreadsheet for a dollar a month gives you access to all the stuff that we're covering 2004 all of 2004 and all of 2005 if you're listening to this as this comes out all those are all set and finalized for by Marvelous Year Club so you can peek ahead there Um, as well as our extra issues my ultimate year uh, is all there and I just added last night just for kicks because I was kind of bored yesterday I did a ranking of uh, the my, most of the My Marvelous Year comics that we've read, I uh, did a big ranking, and I stuck that in the, the spreadsheet as well. So if you want to take a peek at that, that's in there. It's uh, Dave's <laughs> Dave's constant reference to his best comics of all time. Oh, this is number 35 on my rankings of best comics. I don't know why I'm doing a mocking voice. Yeah. I think his list is, his list <laughs> that is cool. That doesn't anything like, like Dave. Oh, I think there's, there's a, this is comic 35 of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like his I like his list and I actually refer to it all the time. So uh, it's that's just the voice I use when I talk uh, to a Dave impression. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna start doing that now. Oh yeah, it's a pretty good comic, but it's only you know it's only forty. So you're gonna start doing my... that because I feel like yeah, I'm gonna start do- doing. You didn't have a, you didn't have an official list, but I feel like that's what you've been doing <laughs> for most <laughs> of the podcast. I I have yep. breaking news. So you want to mm. know who takes? So Brian K. Vaughan does continue with Runaways. You want to know who okay. takes over after that? Greg Land. Nope. Um, it's okay. first Joss Whedon. Yeah, I knew. I think I knew that. And okay. then Terry Moore. Terry Moore does Runaways? Mm, I didn't. That... I read that run and I didn't know it was Terry Moore. I didn't know Terry Moore ever did a Marvel comic. Yeah, me, <laughs> uh, yeah right. Me uh, author of Strangers in Paradise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rachel Rising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comic I read by them. Um, Joss Whedon makes 100% sense. Oh, yeah. Did you see he uh, wrote a, a letter that yeah. doesn't make any sense in the last issue? Yeah, yeah, the last issue of this has a letters page and Joss Whedon writes in and I was like, ugh, of course you would like this yeah. comic. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. So, um, Daredevil, before we talk about the Bendis stuff, um, let's, uh, did you read the Alex, or the um, the Echo David Mack arc? In the yeah, no, so I, I hadn't realized we were skipping some issues because I've read that, that those specific uh, Echo issues before, so on my Marvel Unlimited just showed up as having having already been read, so I didn't realize we were skipping them this time. So I've read them, but like a year or two ago, uh, mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. remember them very, very well. I think it's her confronting her, her confronting him after he claimed the Kingpin title, right? It is the, f- yeah, so it's Echo reckoning with like having been lied to during those uh, issues we already oh, read. Yeah. And uh, it's largely, like, it's a lot of her backstory. So you, like, learn about... It, it's kind of all the stuff that you get in Hawkeye, <laughs> the show, the oh, TV okay. show, the MCU show. It's a lot of that, and, like, clearly that is referencing this. So, like, you get to know her father and her father's relationship with her and, like, teaching her sign language. And another um, Native American that I can't remember the name of, and I think she just refers to as the chief. Um who teaches her Indian sign language, as he calls it. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of, it's a little, it's not exactly plotless, but it's mostly plotless. And it's largely the pleasure of it is, one, Echo, I think, is a cool character. And I think David Mack kind of gets at a more mature, um, fleshed-out version of her than we saw before. Because one of the things we had is, like, her collages yeah. make her sometimes seems very childlike. Yeah, she and has that still... very bubbly attitude and like, yeah, childlike. Is that's the, still is the word. that's still there a little bit, but it's not like it doesn't look like the. I mean, it looked like we were saying they, they were scrawled in cartoon. It looked like a kindergartner's drawings. Yeah. Um, that almost this kind of provides some rationale for that, and then it is just like five or six issues of David Mack, those collages that he does that are just like 
absolutely beautiful. So I'd recommend go check them out. If you're interested in Neko, which I think she's a cool character, and uh, you like that art, it's it's a good time. Yeah. So not really essential. I can see why we skipped it, but um, yeah, yeah, worth the time. The Bendis and Malieve stuff picks up right after, uh, as Charlotte referenced, after Matt Murdock has declared himself the kingpin of Hell's Kitchen, and it cuts forward for a full year, uh, basically into Hell's Kitchen is now, I guess, the utopia, the <laughs> the gentrified utopia that it is today. <laughs> I think that's yeah, I guess basically so, yeah. what happened is uh, the the gentrification happened because of Matt Murdock. Thank you, Matt. Um, <laughs> Which makes sense. And he is now missing and married. <laughs> and it's <laughs> In that point order. of view of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah you can't marry him you feel like, yeah it feels like um, people are more <laughs> upset by at the fact that he's married somehow than by the fact that he's missing like that feels more on track to, for him <laughs> yeah it's kind of weird right like people are like matt something's wrong with you. you you've really gone off the deep end first you got married second you've become the kingpin of crime <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly In, that <laughs> like um, b- becoming yeah. the kingpin of crime feels more on 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 par with the course for for Matt Murdock. It's it's so funny and it's uh, it's hard to explain Bendis's writing because yeah. it's such like you know it when you see it, but it's hard to describe exactly what he does. At least to me, I'm sure like someone more versed in like linguistics could pick up on like the patterns that he uses, the like the looping back around to like you know people saying stuff like. And don't tell me that you were about to say this, because I know you were going to say that. Or, like, uh, the, like, just kind of talking in circles, like, yeah. repeating yourself and kind of, like, people, like, talking through things, but to each other sometimes, right? Like, it's really, it's tough to describe, but I feel like if I see Bendis' writing, and it's not just because there's a lot of word balloons, like, he has a very specific kind of cadence to his writing. And sometimes I like it, sometimes I think it's annoying and kind of... Sometimes feel characters. like you know when a character has a conversation on a movie and you on, only hear their side of the conversation, so they have to repeat everything the other person said, so we know what's going on. It feels like oh that, God, except yes. you're seeing both sides <laughs> of the conversation and each of the two characters are doing that. <laughs> Kinda. That's, that's not untrue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not always, but it, it can do that sometimes. That, yeah. that can be the worst. Yeah. Of it, yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, okay, what was my original point with this? Oh, uh, it, there's a whole big thing here where I feel like, you know, we really liked that moment where Matt beats up Kingpin and declares himself the Kingpin. Yeah. Um, I think that's, like, a very rousing kind of, like, yeah, Matt's gone off the deep end moment. Um, and something that happens here is <laughs> Matt having this long monologue to himself being like, I, I declare myself the kingpin, and everyone assumes that I'm saying kingpin of crime. There's kingpins of other things, okay? It doesn't kingpin have to be kingpin of mime, of... kingpin of rhyme. We've been over this. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be the kingpin of crime, okay? If people want to believe that about me, that's fine. I'll let them believe what they want. I My results speak for themselves, but just because I said I'm the kingpin, people jump to assumptions about me, and it's so frustrating. And that, that whole thing cracked me up. And it kind of felt a little like, I don't know if it was Bendis, you know, like, backing off of what he was initially doing or like felt like he had to explain because like it felt yeah maybe like the audience was like yeah but daredevil is the kingpin of crime we could never accept that and he felt like he had to like really make sure it was clear or something i don't know it, it, well, it i don't know to me it was like twist. very much in character with matt like Matt's not assuming the consequences of his actions and what he's sure. doing yeah. and saying. Like, in that moment, it makes sense for him to be like, you're done, I'm taking over for you, I'm taking your place uh, and doing mm-hmm. something better. Uh, but, like, then he has to reckon with the fact that, okay, so now he's the kingpin, he, he's replaced Wilson Fisk. Um, I, I do get maybe that it's... He hits that point maybe one too many times. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I totally get what that. you mean, yeah. I think. I think you might be right. Um, yeah, so he takes over. He, I guess, gets goes on a very brutal reign of terror um, and cleans up Hell's Kitchen once and for all. And that's, like, where we pick it up, which is uh, kind of an interesting place to, like, be here. Um, and uh, I, I, like, you get a scene of, like, a bunch of Marvel mainstays coming to visit him. Luke Cage, Doctor Strange, weirdly enough. <laughs> Um, but it's very much the like heroes of New York City specifically 
And like, I think he's trying to do a thing with like the heroes of different neighborhoods. So like, mm -hmm. Reed Richards for Manhattan, Spider Man for Queens, Luke Cage for Harlem, and I guess Doctor Strange from for Greenwich Village. I think. Oh yes, right. Yeah, that's the because they're yeah. all from different neighborhoods. Um, and yeah, just kind of warn him like that you've gone too far, and all your crime has just been pushed into our neighborhoods. And uh, it's good. I I really like this stuff because it kind of like I like the conversations about yeah. Um, them, him just being like, okay, we'll go do something about it, right? Like, I did. I fixed Hell's Kitchen. And then, you know, like, they have this... I don't know, like, if I fully buy anyone... I mean, this is all fantasy land stuff. But, like, them being like, well, we can't just eradicate crime in our neighborhoods because they'll just go to Pittsburgh. And then Pittsburgh will have a crime problem. And it's like, well, so what are you doing? <laughs> what is your entire, like, purpose if you, uh, like... Yeah. Don't want to ultimately, you know stop crime and you know like the the crime and misery that is happening on the street yeah i guess uh, uh, it, yeah i mean i think here's the thing i don't think the comic engages enough with the actual reality of how crime works for that oh, to no. make I mean, sense it, um it's all you know fantasy <clears throat> yeah so. i think like it, it works better on that level to be clear i think if it started yeah. getting into and i think it's more on the level of like your taking over crime and like pushing it away doesn't stop it just you're you're washing all your trash to your neighbor um mm -hmm. yeah I, I i think it's so here's the thing i agree i we like those scenes and the other characters of new york city have having to reckon with matt's action and calling him out for not thinking things through or taking things too far mm -hmm. i kind of wish this went on went on longer because I think this is only mm. for, like, this arc. And even, like, the first half, because the other half is the Black Widow stuff. And I think once the Black Widow stuff begins, the Matt's Kingpin stuff is already over, if I remember correctly. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it's still there somewhat. But this, like, by the end of this arc, he's kind of reconciled with the... Yeah. Um, and I, and feel I don't like... know. I don't know where the turn comes from, necessarily, where they're all like, you know what? We got your back, Matt. And I'm, I'm not sure... Yeah, yeah, like, Matt goes to apologize very vaguely to Luke Cage, and Luke Cage like, that's what I need to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. Like, what? <laughs> like, you had a, yeah, this was feel not like you had ideological a deeper, like, ideological all. problem with this. Than no, just... he just had his feelings hurt. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of yeah. annoying to me, because I feel like there's very, there's real interesting potential to this being mm -hmm. a, a longer status quo for the character. and Like a, a, a bigger wedge. Yeah, we never yeah. really see more... You, you, yeah, I didn't think about that, but I think you're right. Like, having a wedge between them and then, like, seeing that, you know, like, it, they walk away strained and then watching it get strained even more would yeah. be nice. And even, yeah. like, so both that and then the the idea that Matt has actually cleaned up Hell's Kitchen, we don't actually see that that much. Because, like, there's still Yakuza arriving and trying to, to kill Matt. They're still, like... Jigsaw well, they, and his thugs going around. Like, we never see actually what life in Hell's Kitchen is like, how that's changed for the people who live in Hell's Kitchen. And I think because we don't spend enough time on that, um, it doesn't feel as impactful. Like, I can never hmm. fully see Matt's side of the argument because I haven't actually seen the results of his oh, actions, I, I, I guess. Don't, uh, I, don't, I don't really feel that because I think, like... I think he explains it enough and he actually has, I mean, he's got one, at least one really good visual indicator of that is that like page turn where you see a rundown Hell's Kitchen that <clears throat> is the like grimy dark Hell's Kitchen that we always see. And then it flips and it's like, you know, business is thriving. The streets are clean and like people are walking out yeah. in daylight. And... I don't know, maybe just because it's still Maliv's yeah. art style and I love his art style, but I feel like when you see he's outside, you're assuming it's gonna be kind of a depressing somber scene, <laughs> anyways. Um, I think yeah. I think that works for me just through the implication, yeah, fair or enough. not even implication. I mean, them just saying it out loud. You know, I, I guess I don't need to see it necessarily. They they say it enough times, like people are out in the street, people you know are safe now, people can walk at night and not have to worry about getting mugged, whatever. Like, uh, I mean, in the Yakuza thing, is that you know he specifically created a vacuum. Yeah, that is now trying to be like filled by another crime organization. Um, <laughs> it's so. So I, I want to you know like preface this. I'm really enjoying this run. Oh yes, yeah, uh, I think I think Daredevil's. I think Bendis really has like he's really locked in on Daredevil as a character. Um, he 
again, we talked about this in the alias thing. I think he's really good at taking, like, at, like, the plot mechanics of what he's doing and the, like, the larger arcs of what he's doing with his characters. It never feels like he's taking big swings, necessarily, but not, I don't mean that in a, a negative way. It feels like he bites off, almost always bites off just enough that he can chew, and he gets in, he makes good, ambitious choices with the characters that are not necessarily, like, huge, you know, X-Men Krakoa status quo changing things. But they, yeah, like, it all feels like on the... That feels like that's the path those characters are traveling right now. Right. It all feels very, like, natural progression, yeah. but it is not just treading water, right? Like, he's always doing, like, good, interesting choices with the characters and, yeah. like, pushing them forward without it feeling artificial. Um, or, like, he's just mixing things up for the sake of mixing things up. So, like, the stuff he's doing with Matt, uh, you know coming out in public there's winks of him running for mayor uh which i think is an interesting angle yeah um the stuff with black widow and his marriage and uh yeah i think i think it all works really well like it's all really engaging on a a larger scale he's still like i still i gotta mention like the i think dave you know like made fun of me for making pointing out his like dialogue not being that like gritty and like gritty enough for in you know, Dave was like, yeah, he's one of the most celebrated crime writers. I just don't see it. I mean, he's <laughs> he's pretty good at writing the crime stuff, but it's just like the the on the very micro scale of just the aesthetic of his dialogue, I just find it so lacking. So when like Daredevil bursts in to fight the Yakuza's, uh, and you know, like confront them all with some superheroes to shut them down once and for all, he says, I came here to tell you, you little Yakuza's. <laughs> that you cannot win. And I'm like, you little Yakuza's? What a weird, like, it's so strange. And, and it clashes with, like, the rest of what he says, which is kind of like this grounded, gritty, mean, uh, you know, call out, this threat that he's giving them. And the rest of it works pretty well. But it's just sometimes he can't help but doing this. And it's just, I called him a weenie last time. And it just, it's got big weenie energy. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of something we pointed out with Arias, which is a lot of Ben's characters end up coming off as teenagers in, in one way or the other. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's true here. I think it's less true here than Elias. Uh, but yeah, yeah well, because the swearing. It's it's honestly yeah. like... God, again, we're reading Love and Rockets, which is very good at swearing. Yeah. Uh, because it feels like someone who swears a lot is around that quite a bit. And it's just... It feels so unnatural. Even, even here, um, it's kind of weird. Can they not say ass? In a Marvel comic, in a mainline Marvel I comic, because sometimes they use they use like the you know what what do they call it? Um, I can't remember. No, yeah, but like wingdings. person sign like hashtag yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. exception mark. Yeah. God, there's a word for that, and I I can't remember what it is. Uh, I'll have to no Google idea. it later. Anyway, yeah, um, they use the the like symbols to express swearing, and sometimes they do it for ass, and I'm like, are you not like? I can see somebody getting shot in the head, but I, I can't hear the word ass. Like, it's so strange. Um, but yeah, reading this again, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, there's nothing he did in Alias with the swearing that I don't think he yeah. doesn't pull off here. I think more or less uh, reading this, like, confirmed my uh, my thought about Alias and the swearing. Because I think it actually works better here. I think, like, the, the grounded, mean gritty dialogue generally works better here I, you know i like i call that that one little line you know but the little yakuza's but then like the rest of the fight's very good and matt's very yeah. nasty and i kind of appreciate that and i, I just like that about Ben's like he gets that matt is kind of unhinged often uh and, and loses touch with reality he refuses to fully back up matt's kind of self-mythologizing uh i mm-hmm. like yeah. with the 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 issue one of the issues ends with like so far we've only seen Matt as this like shadow figure hunting criminals and cleaning up um, Hell's Kitchen and being this kind of like new leader new kingpin of crime, and then Ben Ben Urich just confronts him at the like uh, night nurse uh, night nurse's hospital um, oh and just God. asks Ooh, him night nurse wow oh boy I like I thought I had no idea what was going on first and was like that's Okay, that's not a, ve- a real nurse outfit. So what's going on here? Is this, is this like some kind of strip, strip club or something? And no, it's just mm, night nurse's outfit. I wish. Hey, boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Ben Urich just asks him, like, are you are you just doing this? Like, are you just doing this because you're having a mental breakdown after Karen's death? And that's basically just it. Like, he's just doing all of this because he just can't deal with 
the what's happened to him like there's no there's no real like ideological project or anything it's just like he he can deal with what happened so he has to just lash out at at everyone and mess with Mm -hmm. everyone um and like that's that's like that's very smart for daredevil like he despite everything he's just kind of an a-hole and he just can't deal with what's happening to him and so he's just lashing out to everyone um and there's no like big big mythologizing plan of daredevil being this kind of demigod figure of, uh, of new york city if i was daredevil though i would be extremely annoyed at yurik coming in being like and just psychoanalyzing him from a distance yeah because some of it is like some of it you're like yeah sure okay that sounds right like matt's really just kind of going off the deep end and some of it it's just like okay you're grasping at straws here yurik says something like um he's like yeah you shut me out a year ago but I think it's subconsciously because you wanted me to look into what you were doing deeper and call you out like I am today. It's like, wow, okay, that's some self-justification <laughs> right there. Like, Matt Matt specifically said he doesn't want to see you anymore just so that you would have an excuse to look into his life and, you know, have yeah. this conversation with him. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, nitpick stuff for sure. Because, like, it all works. It all works really well. Like, it, it moves. It is, like... It's really engaging. I uh, on my my Marvel's see our power rankings of uh, all Marvel comics. I do now have the Bendis Daredevil at number eleven of all time, just Ooh. below the Nascenti run at number ten. Yeah. So like, it's pretty high up there for me. It's it's really yeah. good stuff, and I'm so glad. I was I was you know, I think my main exposure to Bendis was Ultimate Spider-Man before we started reading this, and I just like had been hearing years of build up for this like wait till you get to the bendis daredevil wait till you get to bendis daredevil um and i was just kind of concerned that i would be like it's okay yeah it's yeah okay because kind of like i think about ultimate spider-man like it's okay with little flashes of greatness um and i like ultimate spider-man but i don't love it often um but no i think this like works great uh i think it's coming to a close soon which is probably good right next year i think 2005 yeah. we're, we're wrapping it up with um on issue 81 so there's another 17 issues of this and that sounds right like i think it seems good i like a run that has an end um i feel like that gives him enough runway to you know come to a conclusion of whatever he's yeah. doing here and as much as i like the this i feel like yeah i i, I kind of have that fear of it kind of petering out and uh, not being that interesting by then because like notice how we haven't said anything about the black widow arc because like i think it's fine but it's nothing I know it's kind of yeah it feels well, way m- less interesting than the the first half or what we've yeah it's a little disconnected from Matt in some ways yeah. like his stuff's like yeah, the dissolution of his arc. marriage yeah yeah it's it's his marriage is the main thing in that like his wife is looking for an annulment and Black Widow is there to like kind of put some pressure on that um I guess and uh, and I like their relationship the relationship is very fun yeah. like it's kind of a fun sexy like. Uh, I don't know, dynamic between the two of them. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's a Black Widow arc. She's, uh, <laughs> God, again, the the worst case, you know, we say the, like, Bendis writes teenagers, everyone sounds like a teenager. The, um, the head of the CIA and the FBI conferring and being like, you know, oh, the president's going to have my you-know-what if I don't get take care of this. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're being like, your you-know-what? What are you, in grade school? Like... <laughs> I'm just, like, like <laughs> picturing a succession by, by Brian Michael Bendis where, like, Logan Roy has to <laughs> swear like a high schooler. Oh, my God. I mean, I forgot to Not mention even a high an alias. Schooler, like, you would have the cop and alias, like, using... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you'd have the cop and uh, alias dropping, like, the F word all over the place and then being like, listen, you're guilty, humongo style. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. right after that. <laughs> be like, okay, <laughs> something doesn't add up here. Yeah, um, but yeah, this is this is excellent, and uh, I'm I'm glad. Like we're skipping sixty five through seventy one. I will for sure be reading that. Man, like the the club is tough now because we we're reading so many like really good runs, and yeah. Dave is even cutting back on what we're reading from when he did this initially. Um, but like I'm I'm you know gonna read all of a lot of these runs. Uh, as much as I can, so like you know, Daredevil's definitely getting everything. Yeah, and same. New X reading everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Runaways, uh, Charlotte, remind me, we both kind of weren't so hot on the first arc of Runaways, right? Yeah. It was a revisit for both of us, and both of us kind of thought it didn't sing for us, right? Yeah. 
I don't think any of us did. All three of us were kind of like, yeah, this does cool stuff, but it just doesn't like tickle us. That's how. Yeah, we landed, I, I think, think mostly we were just like, oh, it's nice to have kind of that breath of fresh air of a fully new team and mm-hmm. very much teenage focused in a way all other comics can't restrain themselves to be in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, not not that grabbing or anything. I I do want to say like, I think runaways i think it's very popular and it's very popular with teens and i can see it and i think it is just i'm gonna put this a little bit more in the not for me category than i think like i have a lot of big criticisms of it i have a few little critiques and i've got some praise for it but like largely my like this falls in the like nah, it's just kind of not for me like the pleasures of it are aimed at teens obviously teens still really like this series uh, and it doesn't it doesn't land for me. Um, I think uh, it still kind of keeps up the cool idea of like a bunch of new teen superheroes. I think it establishes them well. I actually really like the overarching threat that this establishes of their parents being the um, like minions of these elder gods that are going to destroy Earth, and half of the um, half the parents get to go to a paradise at the end of this 25-year reign where they're given these enormous powers, and half of them have to will perish, and half will be given a mortal life. Um, and the, at some point, all the parents decide they're all going to have a child, and they'll give the child their space in paradise instead of, like, trying to fight for... Um, to be, like, the best minion... <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that uh, I'm always <laughs> doing in my personal life, trying to be the best minion. <laughs> Banana! And, oh, my um, God. <laughs> I knew that was... I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I think that's a really fun setup. Uh, yeah. It leads to all kinds of, like, cool backstabbing between the parents and, like, these alliances happening. I think that leads to one of the biggest problems with this book by the end is that the parents all blend into one another and there's no distinguishing features largely outside of their costumes and powers. Oof, that, and I d- yeah. And I kind of don't know how you would do it. Like, it's it's too tough of a task to be like, you know, you have 18 issues, give us six new superhero kids, and then also make us, like, you know, get invested in all 12 parents. It, it is too much, but they are largely just who they are in relation to the kid. Yeah, so here's what here's what here's where I'm going to kill the sacred cow and go a step further than you. I think everything you said is also true of the kids. I feel like the kids, yeah, all their characterization yeah. is very surface level and their differences are very surface and aesthetic levels. I, I do yeah, think they end yeah, up they all don't. blending together in that kind of like just snarky teen, snarky rebellious yeah. teen, and they don't... Yeah. Outside of Alex, because he's the he's a traitor and he has like an actual ideological or like just vision of the world that differs from the others, but the others don't. I don't know they they don't have any differences of opinion, like fundamental differences of opinion, or just mm-hmm. it feels very much like they all end up blending together in the way they're behaving and the way they're talking to each other and talking about talking about the situations. And I feel like that's kind of annoying. I feel like that's missing a lot of the fun of those kinds of coming-of-age stories, as well as kind of, like, assembling the party, like, D&D-like story, uh, which I feel like... I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm watching a lot of uh, Fantasy High <laughs> recently, yeah. but this, this like, this made me think a lot of um, of kind of a D&D assemble the party kind of story. Um, this is... I mean, you know, I, I am fine with... What do we call it? Uh, something Vaughn. Uh, when... Uh, how did we establish that I was attacking him? I can't remember. Um, Where yeah, anyway, uh, something. <laughs> insulting Brian K. Vaughn is <clears throat> what this segment's called. He he has for sure the issue of his characters all sounding the same, yeah, and all kind of sounding like him. They all love pop culture references, and you know, like they're all yeah, slightly sarcastic. I mean, the the only difference is like one of them's portrayed as much younger. Is yeah, that Caroline, I think. Uh, um, no, uh, Molly. Carolina is Molly. Carolina right. is yeah. the alien one. Yeah, um, yeah, and like it just depends on the <clears throat> the pop culture references that they make, right? Like, and the fact that uh, Alex makes reference make... to Wrath of Khan, and I think Brent Kevin uh-huh. generally think that's like a young and hip reference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a I, very well, donkey totally, way yeah. of seeing the world. <laughs> yeah, y- you know. Yeah. What? Okay, here's here's something that. So this is 2003. I mean, it kind of makes sense a teenager would 
Rathacon's not that old. I think that movie came out in, like, the late 80s. So, like, you know, it came out a few years before Alex was born. Um, it's not that crazy that it'd be into it. I, I watched a bunch of Star Trek as a kid. Um, but the... I also agree that I read this now and I'm like, God, like the cringy way that teenage, like that he writes teenagers is just so uncool. And it's so clearly like an adult man trying to like really be like, you know, this is hello, fellow kids. Like, you know, does anyone else have a problem with the rents? Yeah, the rents was like... Actually, I mean, I, I was this exact generation, and I never heard the rents in my life. Yeah, but he uses it. Everyone uses it here. Um, I I am continually surprised that actual teenagers really like this series because I'm like, don't you like? Don't you have a better radar for when you're being like pandered to and when you know the the vibe is off? <laughs> like, yeah, but know. apparently not. And I feel, and this is where I'm coming straight for you, Charlotte. This bullet is pointed directly at your heart Uh, i feel the exact same way about percy jackson (laughs) yeah that's crazy but uh you i I feel exactly like your own opinion i think i think the right way he writes the like dialogue for percy jackson at least in the first two books which is all i've read uh is the same exact thing where i'm like this is a 40 year old man writing a 12 year old and uh it's all like dad puns and like the kind of like dad snark and stuff um so i'm so sorry about that but you know what like the thing is i i am over and over again proven wrong because by percy jackson yeah because percy jackson's great (laughs) (laughs) sorry percy jackson won't stop spanking me Uh, teens over and over again love this stuff and i'm like the old man being like teens love percy jackson no runaways i'm I'm saying oh yeah i mean i think it's i don't know maybe my i have a small sample size here but like yeah young people generally seem to dig this i don't know if like yeah, I think so. But I this know. run specifically? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Like it's still pretty popular and it was popular then. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm off about this. I'm not about Percy Jackson. Teens love Percy Jackson. Oh yeah, I'm, they do. Oh, we'll miss the And they're right. Um, yeah, well. We'll see. We'll see the the in the long arc of history. The, <laughs> the moral arc of the universe. Ben well, towards, history has always re- has already remembered Percy Jackson more than did uh, Runaways. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, boy, that tv show the uh, the mcu runaways really i mean it was fine but no like wasn't yeah yeah um okay so you know i i think we both think the characters are a little like samey right yeah. for sure although like some of I, I don't know maybe it's like later stuff coming in because i like i kind of like nico but like that might be my you know that's just because you nico played uh, midnight suns midnight suns yeah, yeah maybe um I would say I, I, yeah, maybe like, she, she might be the one that has most like outside characterization outside of just the very well, base level stuff. Her, her powers, yeah, are, like a little bit more creative, you know, and like they they kind of blend with her vibe. Like her whole aesthetic is a little bit more unified. Yeah. You know, the the staff thing, whereas like a lot of the rest of them have you know a dinosaur, a book, a like some technology, and like glitter powers so i guess the glitter powers the caroline oh wait i feel like the the most the most interesting bit of causation most like pushed forward and like really worked on is caroline is gay and i think that's the only thing that separates her from the others i think that's like literally every scene where she has an inner monologue it's about her crushing on nico Uh uh-huh and you get that snuck in between you know the gay jokes uh, (laughs) and um which bendis is also doing we forgot about that i like when Spider-Man leaves, everyone's like, I thought he was gay. Look at that. Look at that little costume. <laughs> and honestly, like, once once in a while, he kind of hits with one of those gay jokes. There's like, I, I know there's a panel from Avengers where someone comes into a room and asks everyone if they dated Moon Knight. And Spider-Man's like, a little bit. <laughs> that's like, that's a funny <laughs> gay joke, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, I can kind of wrap around to being like maybe accidentally yeah. uh, kind of hit in a different context. Oh, I you know, I forgot about this. We just bounce back to Daredevil, Daredevil for a second. Uh, a little bit that I did really like um, is Jigsaw. This is during the Black Widow thing. We get Jigsaw there, which he's not a... We've seen him before, right? He's not a Bendis. Yeah, creation. he's from Punisher. He's from Punisher Comics. Okay, yeah, I knew that, but I wasn't sure if we'd seen him before. And I kind of felt like we saw him. I in think Punisher so, Comics. but like in old stuff. I think eighty stuff. Oh, he's yeah, he's way back in the seventies. He was introduced. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. 
He's a Len Wein uh, creation. Anyway, um, Daredevil and Black Widow get called specifically out of their neighborhood to go stop Jigsaw. Like, like Ben Eric tips off Daredevil to go down to Port Authority or something. Uh, and he beats up Jigsaw and gets him arrested, blah, blah, blah. And then Jigsaw shows up at his office and is just like, so um, what can I do to have you not yeah. <laughs> beat me up? And Matt's like, what? And he's like, you know, like Kingpin and I had all this worked out. You know, he'd want to know when something's going down or he'd want a payment if it's in his territory. Like, where's the line here? And Matt gets furious. But like that, I think, is one of the best indications of Matt, like having crossed a line that he doesn't understand that he's crossed. Yeah. Is him being shocked that like criminals are approaching him to be like, okay, so to like, be approaching him like let, they approach Kingpin. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like, let me in on this. We can work together, you know, so that we don't step on each other's toes in a crime way. <laughs> like yeah. that, that's really good. Um, that was one of the, my the standout scenes for me. So I had forgotten to mention that and I just wanted to make sure I got that in back to runaways. Um, the, <laughs> the design of the, God, what are they called? The Gibberim? Jib- yeah, Jib- or Jiborim, Gibber- maybe. Gib- I don't know. It's Hebrew, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's yeah they're another Jericho like in Hebrew. You know, prehistoric, before humans, Eternals like creation. Um, their design is really funny because they're real cuties. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing threatening about them at all. And when they come out, you're kind of just like, oh, these guys seem nice. Like. <laughs> They're going to be good, right? Like, they're definitely not... In in them being, you know, being like, we're going to destroy the world in 25 days and wipe it out. You're like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense because you look, like, very snuggly. <laughs> um, yeah, just look like yeah. weird goblin, weird tall goblins. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex is the traitor of this group. We get some hints that there's a traitor and it's a big twist that it's Alex, <clears throat> uh, which Vaughn tries to, like set our expectations that it couldn't be him because he tries to prove that it couldn't be him by kissing Nico. (laughs) He's like, someone's like, what about you, Alex? You could be the traitor. And he's like, oh yeah? Would the traitor do this? (laughs) And then he kisses Nico and it's like, okay. Again, oh man, no, it couldn't be him. The traitor could be be a straight teenager. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so the, um, it's Alex, and it makes just as much sense as it being anyone. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it just makes sense because parents. of the backstory he gives it. Like, Alex's supposed to be sure. the smart kid yeah. of the group, and like, so he figured it out before the others. Uh, but yeah, it's just like it yeah, very, it very much feels like just coin toss could have been any one of them. Yeah. God, there was some line here that like, yeah, the Rathacon uh, <laughs> yeah. line is pretty good, <laughs> but like there. He was well, like, he, it's his big, like, threatening betrayal moments, and he just quotes Wrath of Khan and just ends up coming off as, like, just the biggest dork. Yeah, so I, just <sighs> completely clashes with and, like, maybe if some of it's in- to... intentional, but uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you, you could be, I think, if you're being generous, the thing is, like, it gets lost. It's not like the other characters don't also sound like that, yeah, and there's not like an indication that, like, oh, this is supposed to be, oh, yeah, ultimately, he's still just a kid who's filtering these life or death things through pop culture things that would be interesting if i got that vibe that does not how it comes across yep. and vaughn he's just so glib about it i hate his i hate his writing so much here <laughs> and i like later vaughn stuff so like this is not brian k vaughn like all together just throw him out but like god i hate a lot of his writing at one point um arsenic i don't remember her real name gertie gertie yeah um yeah um which just that she's doing an arsenic and old lace thing that that i I wish there was a sense of irony to that because Wait, arsenic the, like, and what? Arsenic and old lace. Yeah, I don't know what um, it means. It's an old Cary Grant movie, Ooh, which is okay. good. It's a good Cary Grant movie, but it's such like a theater kid reference that like it's such that kind of like dorky high schooler that would be into that movie kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I wish there was a little bit of a wink that like, yeah, it, I guess like him having any sense of irony that these are like actual dorks and not like cool kids. <laughs> um yeah if there's a sense of like the comic was teasing them which it doesn't anyway at some point like she gets beat up uh by one of the parents and then it's a big moment where she shows up to sick the dinosaur on alex to like yank the staff away and she goes bruiser's mom broke my glasses but she forgot to break my brain 
old lace fetch <laughs> and she forgot to break my brain what <laughs> yeah. is that? like she said it said like it's this big action hero moment it's like said like that means something <laughs> i think it's so funny that line made me laugh really hard yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um anyway despite all that again i kind of get why people like it like i i don't even want to trash it too much it it I think it works okay. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just like right. kind of dulky and cute. Like that's yeah, yeah it's I, just a little, yeah. a little plain to me. It's just a little more. But you know, like compared to we read another like kids comic, Sentinel, where I think Sentinel kind of sucks. Yeah, uh, I think Sentinel is just boring and there's no there there. Uh, and I don't I think, think it's like as creative. There, like there. Sentinel is just Iron yeah. Giant in the Marvel universe. Like it feels like Runaways. Yeah. There's like actually a strong <clears> core to this that. Someone else could, someone other than Matthew Vaughn, uh, Matthew Vaughn, Brian K. Vaughn or, or Just Whedon could... Uh, I want to see the Matthew Vaughn runaways where oh they God, all yeah. uh, say the C word and uh, shoot each other in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and have fun. Hitler come in a, in, in a post credit scenes uh, to yep, shake hands with exactly. Lenin. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway. Oh um, yeah, it's okay. Thank you, Brian K. Vaughn. And, oh, you know what? Art, it's okay. Again, not my favorite. <laughs> Adrian Alf- Alfon- Alfonso, Alfonso, I think. Yeah. No, it's not Alfonso. God, I, if, if I don't have the name, Alfona. Alfona, okay. Um, is someone who really gets their like style together in a way I like later, like when they do the Miss Marvel stuff. Um, here, it's yeah, I always just forget little... that's the same artist. Yeah. And you could like, as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It is like really similar, but there's just like kind of a. It's like a rubberiness to people here. Uh, There's a very f- fa- fake manga style. I think like that's kind of in some yeah, way that in yeah. the in the first Spider Verse movie, I think Penny kind of has that vibe. Like, oh, this is like a manga character done by a fully American creative team mm-hmm. that doesn't. It feels it feels unnatural in a way, and I feel like the art can tend to do that. Where like we're trying to do some manga, but don't quite get to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I uh, I do. It, it's not bad it just it doesn't i don't i don't love it um but i do end up really liking their art by the time they get to yep. uh doing miss marvel like a decade from now yeah so, um okay well thank you all for listening i hope uh i hope you enjoyed that i <laughs> let me know if you enjoyed that send me a message <laughs> i mean don't i don't actually want to know i'm i'm fine thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, we badly need validation here um <laughs> Yeah, only tell me if you enjoyed it. I don't yes, want to hear please. the opposite. Um, and if you didn't enjoy if, it, please uh, lie. This is 2004. We have a bunch coming up this year. This is the first of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight episodes we're doing for 2004, yep. which is very exciting. It's a lot of continuations of stuff we've already read. So, like, we've got more, let's see, Wade Fantastic Four, Wade Waringo Fantastic Four. We've got um, more Bendis alias. It's like called the Pulse now, and it's not Max line, so it should be in Marvel Unlimited. Um, we've got the conclusion of New X Men, and yeah, let's see what else. Anything else that we're concluding? Oh, we're gonna do some more J M Straczynski Spider Man because uh, we're getting another Dean's List episode, uh, specifically Sins Past, <laughs> which uh, I gotta figure out the exact issues for that. But that's gonna be the last episode of this year. And we're doing Avengers Disassembled. Like the big beginning of the the events here at Marvel, which is yeah, I Bendis don't know taking this... over Marvel basically. I mean, my biggest blind spot, like I've read here and there, I've read you know bits of arcs and series throughout the two thousands, but I've read none of the big events. I yeah. don't think like I haven't read this, I haven't read World War Hulk, I haven't read yeah. I don't know Secret War, which is also something coming up. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what Avengers Disassembled is. Uh, so it's exciting. It's exciting yeah. to get to it. We're reading Dan Slott's She-Hulk, which I oh, have read some of. It's it's mixed for sure. There's a there's some there's some gender issues. Yep, <laughs> there for sure. Mark Miller's coming in for some Wolverine and some Spider-Man, which is exciting. Joss Whedon is showing up for his some X-Men, which uh, I've heard good things about. People like his X-Men yeah. run. We'll see. Um, and then there's some stuff I don't know anything about. Something called Identity Disc, which Dave yeah, no idea who uh, that, what seems it is. to really like, and I have no idea what it is. He wrote a personal favorite uh, under <laughs> the description. Uh, it seems did he take Ecstatics out? <gasps> he did. Oh my god, I didn't realize this. The conclusion <laughs> of Ecstatics is not in this year. That is a betrayal. But you know what? He put Isn't so it? much of it in. Uh, we read so much of it already that I 
I totally get it. But just to put it on people's radar, we are not reading the end of Ecstatic. So go read it on your own, because as we all know, Ecstatics is uh, number five on Zach's power rankings of all the best Marvel comics up to this point. So, um, yeah. Anyway, looking forward to 2004. All kinds of cool stuff coming up. It's, uh, yeah. it's a good time for comics. Yeah. Charlotte, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me. Ooh, that's a good question. What, what am I? What am Where I? Where can at? people find you in real life? <laughs> so my physical location is now. Uh, people can find me at Charlotte Fierro on Twitter, and they can find also me at my mobile share on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, you can also find Charlotte and I together uh, on our little sister podcast. I don't know if we can call it that. Um, oh. Side podcast. <laughs> it's a side project. All cousin third removed podcast. exactly our cousin podcast yeah they call it um (laughs) we are uh extra issues which is our reading club outside of big two superhero comics right now we are starting our fantagraphics series we're covering a bunch of really cool stuff there starting with love and rockets um which we're going to record later today actually and both of us i think love it um i love it i rock at it Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay (laughs) all right uh anyway it's a great show uh we've done a ton of really fun stuff on there uh it is on the public feed where the my ultimate year feed used to be those episodes are still there but they're this the title has changed and you can get six months early access to that if you subscribe to our patreon um so go listen to that i think it's a great time and oh music by disaster piece and again thanks everyone for listening we will see you next year see you next year (laughs) 